0: Several years ago, I was faced with a hindrance to my physical health. Somehow, and I still don't know how, but a particular slow-growing bacterium got into my system and took up housekeeping, literally, in my hand. And so I finally found a doctor who could understand what was going on and And so she looked at the MRI and based on her experience, uh, she knew exactly what needed to be done. She said, the only way to correct this is to go in surgically and take out all of the infected tissue in my hand and then you'll need to take antibiotics for at least a year in order to take care of this infection. And so I thought about that and I said, wow that's kind of radical go in and my little hand and cut out the affected tissue she said yep that's what it's going to take I took responsibility and I said cut it out and I have a bent see that finger I have a bent finger Don't recommend that I take a hammer and try to straighten it out like some of you have done. It doesn't work that way. And I have a scar that reminds me of the radical step that I had to take in order to deal with a hindrance to my health. Moses says a similar thing in a spiritual way about how we are to approach those things in our lives that hinder us from meeting God's requirements, his demands that he has placed upon us. Moses, in our passage today, is calling us to be responsible, to cut away, to cut out whatever it is That hinders us in being spiritually healthy as we seek to do the things that God has called us to do. Now, I want to make a bit of a disclaimer here. Today, I am focusing, as Moses focuses, on our responsibility, yes, out of grace, to do what God requires understand as we have sung four songs already this morning about Jesus that I am not at all suggesting that we can't that we can do this in our own strength it's only just saying it takes Jesus but the focus is on taking responsibility to cut away that which hinders our walk with the Lord given we need Jesus (laughs) Every step of the way. So today we're continuing this study in the book of Deuteronomy. We'll be looking at God's requirements. What does the Lord require? We'll also ask the question, what do we do about those things that hinder us in fulfilling God's requirement? But I want to end by looking at why we are able to cut away hindrances to begin with. And it has more to do with what God has done in us than what we might need to do. So requirements, hindrances, ability. And I want us to think about this statement. What the Bible calls us to today is that we must take radical steps cut away the hindrances to our meeting God's requirements think about that well turn with me to Deuteronomy 10 chapter well chapter 10 verses 12 through 22 Deuteronomy 10 12 through 22 we will we looked at chapter 7 in depth last week we'll refer to chapters 8 and 9 today but I want to focus on these verses in Deuteronomy chapter 10 God's word for God's people. And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and earth, the heavens of heavens, the earth With all that is in it, yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food for clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things That your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. The word of the Lord is eternal and stands firm in the heavens. It refreshes the soul, and may it refresh our souls today. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. God our Father, we thank you for your faithfulness even as we have just read you are faithful to fulfill your covenant promises as you gave those promises to Abraham and the patriarchs and you're fulfilling those promises in their offsprings you've chosen them you've placed your love upon them father you are fulfilling your promises in our lives today you have placed your love upon us you have chosen us to be your treasure treasured possessions you've given us a new heart you've you've changed us from the inside out You've enabled us to do that which pleases you. Remind us of these things today that we might indeed not only be willing but realizing we have the power to cut away every hindrance that that inhibits our fulfilling your requirements. Pray this in Christ's name, amen. (coughs) All right, today we'll look at the first Point that I want to make here: the requirements. So we must take radical steps to cut away, to cut out every hindrance to meeting God's requirements. And the first question is: Well, what does God require? We know Micah six eight. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. Well, very similarly, here Moses gives us the Lord's requirements. He exhorted Israel to fulfill God's requirements. And these requirements reflect this radical call to commitment to Yahweh Israel was to express. And now, verse 12, it serves as a transition in verses 8 and 9, in particular, the first part of chapter 10. I should say chapters 8 and 9, first part of chapter 10, we find Moses recounting the history of Israel. And now, the first two words in verse 12 serves as, as a transition between these, these historical events and what Moses is about to say, the exhortation he is about to give. And in particular, Moses is reflecting upon the incident that he just spoke about in chapter 10 with Moses taking two new stone tablets up to the top of the mountain for, for God to inscribe his law upon those tablets and then Moses was to take those tablets and to place them in the ark made of wood and there in the midst of God's people were housed the very commandments of God you can read about that in in chapter 10 verses 1 through 11 and so the law in the midst of God's people should cause God's people to ask the question Well, in light of this law, then what does the Lord require? And what did the Lord require of Israel? The Israelites were first to fear the Lord, they were secondly to walk in his ways, they were thirdly to love him, fourthly to serve him, and fifthly to keep all his commandments the fivefold commands or exhortations that Moses gives here in verses 12 and 13. And in a very real sense, these this five-fold response, these five commands, have everything to do with the profession of faith that we looked at back in chapter 6, the Shemai, Israel. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And because of this profession of faith, the people of God should seek to do what the Lord requires. These five things flow out of that profession of faith in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Well, let's look at these five things. First, fear. Moses began with this response to fear the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, the covenant God. Fear is to reverence hymns. It's a common way to understanding. In fact, I think fear is foundational to the other four commands. Reverence the Lord. Moses has given this response of fear before in Deuteronomy. If you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10, Deuteronomy 5, verse 29. We find fear being all over the book of Proverbs and You might just go to Proverbs 8.13. You certainly see the wisdom of fearing God. I want to read just one reference to fear in the book of Ecclesiastes, where the preacher of Ecclesiastes puts fear as one of the chief purposes for man. The end of the matter, after he has said all of these things in Ecclesiastes, after everything has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments. For well, This is the whole duty of man. Fear is a response to God. Secondly, walking in his ways. That's the second one. And walking in his ways flows out of a godly fear. If you look down to verses 17 through 22, though we'll not look at these particularly today, but there, or we'll not say more than what I'm going to say right now, there Moses is expressing that God has a concern for fairness and justice and God's people should walk in his ways and likewise have a concern for fairness and justice in the world. When I was in high school, I worked at McDonald's and I was a good employee our manager the main manager and this is a huge McDonald's store very very busy our main manager's na- name was Clint and Clint was an older gentleman and he was a he just struck fear in me as a young high school student working there at McDonald's whenever Clint, Clint was on the property, now I always did my job but when Clint was on the property man I tell you what I was really focused on doing my duty. I made sure that I did my job. I made sure that I kept my mouth shut, that I did not complain, that I obeyed his command. You see, fear over Clint motivated me to not only walk in Clint's way, but to do what Clint said in the way Clint said, do it. So fear is a good thing if you're a boss With employees, it motivates them to get the job done. Even more, the fear of the Lord should motivate us to complete obedience. Israel was to walk in the way of the Lord out of fear, reverence for him, and not turn aside, not turn aside like they did at the foot of Horeb when they worshiped the golden calf that Moses talks about in chapter 9. Fear, walk in his ways, now love him, that's the third. This electing love that we talked about in chapter 7, where God chose chose us according to the counsel of his own will. He chose to bestow his love on us. He he chose us because he was faithful to keep his covenant with the patriarchs. We see this in chapter 10 verses 14 through 15 and also we saw it back in chapter 7 verse 8 because God loves us with this eternal love with this steadfast love with this faithful love with this electing love because he loved us first a natural response is for us to love God Deuteronomy 6 5 we've already read this just after the Shema here over Israel the Lord your God the Lord is one Moses says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your might. Love him with your whole being. Fear, walk in his ways, love for God. Now service is the fourth command. Serve the Lord. Interesting, with all your heart, with all your soul, very similar to the command to love God. Like love, we are to serve God with our whole being. Our whole life is to be oriented towards serving him and then keeping his commandments is the fifth obedience is life notice what the text says God did not give the law to frustrate or burden his people his intent was that Israel would have a full life in communion with him the text speaks about the law and the commandments for your good there at the end of verse 13 well what does the Lord require of you and me and we could sum up these five commands in this that he requires full and total devotion expressed in these five commands and we must take radical steps to cut away hindrances to fearing God to walking in his ways, to loving him, to serving him, to keeping his commands. We must cut away hindrances. But does the text tell us to do that? Does the text say in light of the Lord's requirements upon us, this is how you are to live, people, my people. Does the text tell us to cut away hindrances does it say take radical steps to make sure you're spiritually healthy with an understanding of God's requirements Moses secondly under the heading the hindrance addressed the inevitable need faced by God's people to cut away things in our lives that hinder our walk with the lord that become obstructions to us fulfilling the lord's commands and so look to deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 16 circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn moses's command here in verse 16 implied That the Israelites were stubborn. That they were stiff-necked. Is there any evidence that the people of God in the Old Testament were stubborn and stiff-necked? Is is it hard to find? Deuteronomy 8.2. The Lord brought them into the wilderness to test them to see if they would obey. As Moses here in chapter 8 reflects the history, uh, speaks about the history of Israel. And here are the test results. In chapter 9, verse 6 and 13, Israel did not obey. God calls him a stubborn, stiff-necked people. And in verse 16, the example that Moses gives of their stubbornness and stiff neckedness is the uh, yeah, I thought that was funny. I don't I don't know if it's a word, but it's funny. In Deut- Deuteronomy nine sixteen, Israel was turning, li- listen to this, so quickly, turning so quickly from the way the Lord had commanded. It, 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 we, we have to laugh, because it is, it is somewhat common. It's sad, it's terrible, but it's also funny. At least it is to me. Because Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And the people are there at the bottom of the mountain. And Moses hadn't even come back down the mountain yet. And the people had already, by Aaron's instructions, melted gold and fashion a golden calf and worship. So quickly, <laughs> Walk it by way, so quickly, you turn to some other way and worship a golden calf. Of course, the result of this is that Moses uh, threw the tablets, the original tablets, now and crushed them. That's why he had to go back up a second time with new tablets for God to write the law on. Their stubborn disobedience hindered them from being fully devoted to the lord this sinful behavior moses is saying has to be cut out and cut away notice what verse 16 says that you will no longer be stubborn this circumcision of the foreskin of your heart is a responsibility moses says that israel you have So that you will no longer be stubborn. Not to discount the work of the Lord. Not to discount our need of grace. But Moses is focused on our responsibility. To circumcise the foreskin of our hearts. To cut away that which hinders us. To fear God. To walk in his ways. To love him. To serve him. To keep his commandments. A radical surgery. Of cutting away. To be spiritually healthy this is what Moses meant when he commanded the new generation to circumcise the foreskin of their hearts you know the covenant sign of circumcision given in Genesis 17 we're not going to go into detail on this so parents rest uh, that did involve a physical cutting away and the recipient of that sign was totally passive baptism Replace circumcision. The the recipient is totally passive. It's something that is done to them. Moses uses circumcision, but yet he he uses it in a very interesting and, and, and dynamic way. Here he's exhorting Israel not to be passive, but to be active, to be proactive, to act with intentionality in examining their lives and seeing what hinders them from seeking the Lord, from doing what the Lord has required and to be radically engaged in cutting it away. Think about that. The focus of the passage is on intentionality, is on responsibility. And for the Israelites, very clear what... what they need to to circumcise out of their life was this propensity to false worship. We see it time and time again. God's people, instead of walking in the Lord's way and doing the other requirements, they turn from him into false worship. And and Moses is saying, be responsible to cut that out. Literally cut it out. Of your life that you would be healthy. All right, now let's just bring this home to us. Uh, what do we need to cut away out of our lives that might hinder us being fully committed to the Lord? That, <laughs> I kind of chuckled a little bit because I said, We need to cut family away uh, off. I went, we, we, we can't cut family. I'm not going to cut my children off. You know, Parents have a problem in worshiping their children. It is so easy for parents to put little junior before God. Well, you can't cut your children away. That wouldn't be good. But what needs to be cut away? Where are we stubborn in continually putting Family or people, relationships before our relationship with God. You know, we can't cut our professions out of our lives. You've got to work, I've got to work, we've got to live. Obviously, circumcising your job doesn't mean You throw up your hands and you quit. You say, I'm not working again because work becomes an idol. I just won't work. And that becomes an idol. (laughs) No, you don't. But could it be that just like with family or with people, we so easily, because of, of our sinful attitudes, our pride, our arrogance, our misplaced love, we put family, we put job before God. And maybe that heart issue that's constantly trying to replace God with other things simply needs to be dealt with and circumcised. I'll just, without, I hope you understand why I'm giving this example, but I've just been doing some reading lately. It's just about pastoral ministry. And, you know, pastors, like like this pastor here, put God first. Every one of you put God first, i slam the pulpit, put God first. And you know what I do? And I don't know if Derek does this. He's, he's pretty, pretty straight, straight-laced. I wouldn't say he's perfect, but he's close. <laughs> but I know a lot of pastors like me that'll say, you, congregation, you put God first. And what do we do? We put ministry before God every day. And we put ministry before God every day to such an extent that our identity becomes ministry and not who I am in Christ Jesus. That's why when you leave here and you say, Well, Tim, the sermon could have been better, that crushes me. Why? Because my identity is in what I do, not in who owns me. And just before you think this is some cathartic, counseling session, me trying to deal with my inner self and my my pastor, whatever. You do the same thing. Every one of you. You can so easily ground your identity in what you do instead of who owns you. Instead of who has saved you. (coughs) Excuse me. And so that's just an example that we can't cut family and job and so many good things out of our lives. We need to cut a whole lot of bad things out of our lives, by the way. But really, what Moses is focused on here is the heart attitude that elevates other things in such a position that one's walk with the Lord is hindered. And really what it is, is idolatry, isn't it? So we must take radical steps to cut away these hindrances in order for us to fear God, to, um, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve Him, to keep His commandments. So what hope do we have? Because so many of these things... Let's face it, we really don't want to cut out of our lives, especially the sin things that are fun. We don't want to cut them out, right? But what hope is there? I want to end by just simply looking at this aspect of ability the ability to circumcise the foreskins of our hearts, the, the, the ability to. to uh, to outwardly cut out those those things that hinder us in our walk with the Lord, The, the ability to take radical steps is enabled by an inward circumcision of our heart done by God. Our hearts are naturally hard toward God before we could ever do anything to please God, before we could ever meet what he requires of us, before we could ever fear, walk, love, serve, and keep, before we could desire to cut anything away, God had to do something, and he did something. He has circumcised our hearts inwardly. by by cutting away, cutting out that old heart of stone, and by giving us a new heart, a new heart that is aligned with him, a a new heart that has the capacity to obey and to love him, a new heart that naturally wants to please God. He's given us that. This, This inward work is a work of God alone. Before we could do anything to please him, he gave us a new heart. He gave us the ability to please him. And this is just not a New Testament reality. But later, one of these days, we'll get to Deuteronomy 30, I'm sure. And when we do, we'll read this in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6 and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. In other words, the only way that we're able to cut anything out of our lives that hinders our walk with the Lord is because the Lord has already cut our old dead heart out and given us a new heart that loves him. Given us a natural desire to fear him, a natural desire to walk in his ways, a natural desire to love him, to serve him, to keep his commandments. We also have the ability not to do those things, which we do. We struggle with sin, but the point is God has restored that ability that was taken away in the fall of man Ezekiel 36 26 through 27 I will give you a new heart a new spirit I will put within you and and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes the Lord is doing that we have responsibility to, to circumcise the foreskin of our hearts and we're able to meet that responsibility even imperfectly because the Lord has already done something to enable us. He has circumcised our hearts. Well, this is the doctrine of regeneration, effectual calling that we read about in our confession this morning where we recited, enlightened, that God uh, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God, taking away their heart of stone and giving unto them a heart of flesh. The passage that Jerry read earlier, Titus 3, 5, and 6, points to regeneration. The renewing work of the Holy Spirit. John 3, Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus must be born again, born of water, born of the Spirit. That points to regeneration. Acts chapter 16 with Lydia there, that, that the Lord opened Lydia's heart. Gave her a new heart, literally, to respond to the gospel there in Philippi. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, after Paul says in verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians 2, that we're dead in our trespasses and sin, We are dead as a doorknob spiritually before God. Can't do anything to please him. Yet, in verses 4 and 5 of Ephesians 2, he has made us alive in Christ. He has given us a new heart. He has given us the ability to repent of our sin, to respond to Jesus in faith, and to walk in obedience, to He's given us the ability by faith to do that which he has required of us, to fear him, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve him, and to keep his commandments. We are passive with God's work of regeneration so that we can be active in circumcising the foreskins of our flesh that we might more and more fulfill that which the lord has required of us here's the encouragement i mean are, are you willing to take radical steps to cut away what is a hindrance you fulfilling what the Lord has required. And in asking that question, I want to make one slight observation. We may be willing and that's good, but we need to see it's more than that. We not only need to be willing, we need to realize we've been given the ability. God has circumcised our hearts inwardly we have the ability to do that which pleases him. Having a new heart of flesh means we naturally want to take radical steps to do whatever it takes that we would cut away whatever hinders us from fearing God, walking in his ways, loving him, serving him and keeping his commands. May we ask What hindrances are there in my life today that I need to cut away? Notice I did not say if there are hindrances. I said, what hindrances? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness to not only... Command these requirements that reflect what pleases you, but you also give us the ability. Yes, the ability by faith, the ability by grace, the ability because of Christ, yes. But Father, we need to really step up to the plate and see what Moses is saying here that we are to be responsible in circumcising the four skins of our hearts that we might do away, cut away, cut off whatever is hindering us from fearing you, walking in your ways, loving you, serving you, and keeping your commandments. Father, give us the boldness, give us the power and the strength, give us the faith to do that very thing